and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Today, our guest is someone who actually develops engineers as a profession. Please join me in welcoming Jeff Perry, founder at More Than Engineering, a company helping leaders apply the fundamental principles of science and engineering in their daily lives. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Carolina. Glad to be here. We are glad to have you. Please tell us a bit about yourself. So, Carolina, my story kind of goes all over the place, technically especially. I, I started in mechanical engineering, and actually, right out of school as a mechanical engineer, that's when I turned into a software engineer. I worked at General Motors, and I was designing productivity systems for engineers at this large car company. A few years into that, I moved back into product development and got into leadership in a smaller company called Meter Group, and that gave me a lot more freedom to explore a, a wider range of skills that I hadn't really had opportunities to test yet. I even ended up running some large projects doing manufacturing engineering as well. So that's, that's kind of been a fun ride doing a lot of different types of engineering. But along the way, our company merged with another firm in Germany. And as part of that, reevaluated our whole strategy and culture. And there were some struggles along the way, but I got to be part of the team that helped to infuse and define the culture and do leadership development through training and coaching of the people in the company. And that was on the side of my normal engineering and leadership responsibilities. But as I did that, I found inside of myself a love and a joy for building people. And so a few months ago, I created my consulting company called More Than Engineering to do just that. So now rather than being in the thick of engineering and development myself, I focus on taking a personal approach to inspiring engineers, developing leadership and soft skills and helping teams be more effective. And I also like to write about my ideas on on my blog and other websites. And that's a lot of fun to me. This has been a new challenge, but it's been a ton of fun. Awesome. We are glad to have you here. Let's jump right into it. So today we will be talking about developing engineers. And I would like to ask you about the biggest challenge when someone transitions from a heavily engineering role to something more of a leadership or social role? Yeah, there are a lot of challenges we could we could point to, and it really kind of depends on the person, what their biggest challenge is going to be. But maybe we can talk about a couple of things that I see frequently. So first of all, a lot of it is about where their mindset is. Like, does this person who's making the transition really believe that they have the capacity to take on this extra responsibility? Because if they don't, it's going to be pretty tough. Because what we believe about ourselves has a huge impact on whether or not other people believe in us. And that's really important as a leader. So there's this concept that's part of leadership development that a lot of researchers call leadership readiness. It's a measure of someone's willingness to learn, grow, and develop their leadership abilities. And the best training in the world isn't going to help much if someone doesn't feel like they're really ready to take it on for themselves. So I think it's extremely important for someone making this transition to really just take some time, ask themselves if this is something they really want to do and have a good reason for it beyond just potentially larger paycheck or other fun things like that. This isn't about feeling like they have to know all the answers or 100% 
ready, but rather that they have the capacity to grow into it. And that growth mindset can really go a long way. Mm -hmm. I'd say perhaps the other big challenge I see with people making the switch is the difficulty in giving up total ownership of the technical details as you move into management. When you lead a team, you just can't be involved in every single design decision or line of code. Like when you're developing full-time, your focus is, has to change from writing great code to building and developing your team to write great code. So these technical leaders can sometimes have a tendency to micromanage, but learning to delegate and extend trust goes a long way. And we need to be okay with making mistakes ourselves and with letting our team make mistakes and, and learning from them. And seeing these experiences as ways to grow together rather than coming down on people is a great indicator of a leader that, that people are going to, to trust and, and root for. Mm -hmm. So what I'm gathering is that in the engineer's mind, it has to be clear that they want this role and they actually want to be a leader. What are some of the misconceptions in a developer's mind when thinking about transitioning to a leadership role? Yeah, great question. So one is that a new leader may feel like they have to have all the answers for their team, both technically and organizationally. But you don't have to know all the answers. In fact, you step away from some of the technical aspects. Those people on your team are probably actually going to have more technical insights than you do. And maybe some of them always did because they're just that good technically. So one of these shifts is just recognizing that you don't have to have all of these answers, but that you need to help guide the team to the right answer or help provide the resources they need to get it. One quote I love from a famous leadership coach named Simon Sinek, he says, bad leaders care about who is right, but good leaders care about what is right. And there's a big difference there. Good leaders can't be concerned about being right all the time. And this is hard for me personally. I got into engineering because I was really good at math and science subjects when I was in school as a kid. And everyone kind of pushed me to a career in that direction. And I really enjoyed these really objective classes where there was always a right answer because I liked being right. And <laughs> so I sort of suppressed or avoided language classes or art and writing classes where I felt like things were really subjective or kind of wishy-washy where I was just graded on the opinions of other people. But the truth is life and leadership and even software development and engineering can be quite subjective because we're doing it for and with other people and people are inherently subjective and not always the same. And So there's not always a perfect, correct answer. We do our best and we be transparent about what we know and what we don't know and, and we move along. And embracing this subjectivity in leadership uh, can be difficult. The other perhaps misconception is that I would share is that uh, people can feel like leaders are born and not made. Sometimes we hear about people who are born leaders and, and I just totally reject that idea. There's a lot of research that proves this wrong I think the latest numbers that I've seen saw that there are perhaps 30% of leadership ability maybe comes from genetic inheritance, but up to 70% is developed through life experiences and training. And so leadership skills can and are learned and developed over time. And people don't need to feel like they need to be a natural leader to become a great leader. And I'm a big believer in that. Mm -hmm. 
That sounds great. I feel like it really resonates with the growth mindset that you have mentioned earlier. So you have mentioned embracing the fact that one cannot always be right and one doesn't have to know the answers entirely. How can engineers successfully transition into leadership roles? Is there a general process that they can embrace or follow some steps or milestones that will indicate that they are on the right path? Kind of like what we talked about before, before they start really examining what their source of motivation and, and why they want to do it is, is really important. Because as you move into a leadership role, you're going to face a lot of new and different challenges than you faced before. And so examining why they want to move into leadership and having a good reason behind that to motivate them through the challenges is really important. But I recently created a guide for people that goes through the first 90 days. I'm a believer that the first 90 days of a new position, especially in leadership, is really important, the first three months. Mm -hmm. And in that guide, I, I split it up into three months, kind of three sections. And I think that like the first month of a new leadership role should be making sure that you're diving into learning this new craft of leadership. You should be seeking to grow your skills and expertise in your leadership just as much as you sought to become an expert developer in the past. So in order to do this, you need to block out specific time on your calendar for learning and growth activities. This could include reading books, spending time with mentors that you have, and taking any relevant classes that could help you grow in this new role. You don't need to hide these things from your team. And in fact, I'd recommend to make it transparent. It can be weird for some people because some people don't feel like this development work, personal development work is real work, but it's actually so important to work on these ideas and these skills from the beginning. And the fun thing is, is that you can immediately test and try out these new skills and ideas that you're constantly learning now with your teams and group meetings and one-on-ones and, and other interactions with your team. So this first month also you need to make sure that that's when you find a good mentor or two that can help you as you start on your leadership path. Mm -hmm. Then kind of going into the second month, this is when you start to find a bit of a groove. This time is about finding workflows that work for you in this new role. So I suggest creating what I call an activity cycle. This is your list of tasks and activities that you need to do on a periodic basis, whether that's daily, weekly, monthly, or every other week, whatever the cadence is for you and carving out time in your calendar before other things come in to get those things done. So that forces you to do these things that are important, but maybe aren't the most urgent things mm -hmm. or the fires that we're always fighting. This time is also a great time to find ways to protect your calendar in other ways. In your first month, you're probably going to go to every single meeting you're invited to because you're not sure which ones are useful and which ones aren't. But after you've been through a few weeks of that, you can evaluate which meetings are worth your time and start to eliminate the ones that you're not getting critical insights or making connections where that you can't make more efficiently outside of those meetings. Then mm -hmm. kind of moving into the third month is really about personal assessments, evaluating how things are going, getting feedback from your team and other stakeholders uh, like your leader and mentors and, and making any necessary adjustments you need because you've been in the role for a little while now and and you've been through some growing pains but 
taking some time to reflect and, and learn from the experiences you've had so far, so far. So asking questions like, where are you falling short as a leader? How well do you know each of your team members? How is team morale and, and what can improve it? Are you enjoying yourself? These kinds of questions and ideas get you going and can help you uncover ways that you need to be better as you move forward. Mm -hmm. What a great source. So basically you set it up to the first 90 days and then you say, be transparent, keep learning and reflect on what you have achieved, set your rhythm and perhaps have healthy boundaries with your time management. Those sound really great. I am intrigued. What are some of the common mistakes that you have seen throughout your work? What are some of the things that you can do to avoid these mistakes? Yeah, so we've talked about some of them already, like having a negative mindset or not being willing to give up some of the technical details. But another one I'll add is perhaps not setting appropriate expectations for yourself and your team. This can be really damaging, actually, because if they're not set, then people kind of make up the expectations in their own mind. And so finding out as you step into your new role exactly what metrics or goals that you're going to be measured on is really important so that you know what you need to focus on and drive for good performance. If you don't do this, you may find a rude awakening that you thought you were supposed to be doing something completely different than your manager was thinking. So having these discussions early on about how and where you should be allocating your time and resources can really help with this. Another big mistake is lack of communication. As a leader, you have multiple directions you need to communicate to. I think of it like four directions, up to your manager, down to your team, and side to side with your peers and other stakeholders that you're working with. So to take care of this, it's helpful to spend some time learning what each of these groups, each of these people actually cares about, how frequently they need an update from you, and what information they need. Like I said before, this helps clarify and set up expectations for everyone. And so as far as communication goes, I say when in doubt, over-communicate. Mm -hmm. People will rarely complain about that. I, I hear a lot more gripes about problems caused by lack of communication than too much communication. Mm -hmm. So we have talked about people who are just stepping into this role of, a, of an engineering leader. But if we have some developers listening, what would you suggest are the necessary skills for them to become great team leaders? There's a lot of skills that we could talk about. I recently created a model that I call the five factors of leadership and team success. And I think these five basic areas encompass the critical skills that a leader needs to work on and develop a, a great team. So there's a lot of things to do with each one of these that we could dive in for a long time, but I'll just kind of summarize uh, each one briefly. Mm -hmm. The first one of the five is vision. This is kind of establishing the why of your team. Like what's the purpose of the organization and what value does do you and your role and your team deliver to that purpose? And what makes you different or special compared to other teams? I think it can even be helpful to cascade these answers down to each individual person so that they know exactly why they are important to the success of the team and the organization. And this can really be quite motivating when people can really understand what their contribution is and why they're there. 
the second factor I talk a lot about is trust. I'm a, I'm a big believer that trust begets trust. That means that in order to earn trust, you have to first extend trust. There are a lot of things that go into trust, but to put it simply, it's about creating a safe environment, being transparent with your team, and then modeling with your team both what success and failure means so that they feel safe. If you're modeling failure for them, like you owned up to your own mistakes, then they feel like they can do the same and be honest and trust you as a leader. The third factor is accountability. Now, most people are going to talk about accountability and talk about holding other people accountable. That's important. But in my mind, what's even more important is the idea of developing accountable people who seek to hold themselves accountable. You know, just think about that and make sure you see the difference in holding people accountable versus developing accountable people. This means that we need to be helping people understand the goals of others and their impact on them. And it's also really about expecting great things out of your team so that they can rise to the occasion. The fourth factor is having a team with the right people with the right skills. Sometimes we get in teams and we have people in the teams where we have skill needs that the organization needs to accomplish or the team needs to accomplish that the current team can't actually meet. We don't have the capabilities at that time. So we need to grow or acquire skills and capabilities in some way. This could be through hiring or training. And it's also making sure that we have the right people in the right positions to be successful. We want to set people up for success. For example, someone who loves front-end design probably shouldn't be doing back-end database work or something like that. So put people where they can excel and also where they can continue to grow in their career so that they're they're happy with that. And then the, the fifth and final factor is what I call collective action. This is where the rubber really meets the road and we start getting results. This is about ensuring people are being collaborative and working together. So I suggest that leaders focus rewards on team achievement rather than individual achievement so that people are encouraged to build up the success of the team rather than focus on personally and be a little bit selfish that way. I also love the idea of yes and during brainstorm and ideation sessions. This comes from the world of actually improv comedy and is encouraged a lot in the world of design thinking. So for example, if someone has an idea, it's just about how we respond. It's responding with yes and, and continuing on to build upon their idea rather than saying yes, but, and turning the corner or, or just giving them a no when people bring up an idea. This creates an environment that keeps things creative, it keeps a positive spirit alive and encourages engagement in the conversations and keeps ideas flowing. And I really like that. Right. And it's also helpful for people to actually share their ideas and not be afraid of being turned down. Um, exactly. It's, it's a really great exercise. How about rising to the occasion of becoming a leader? So when a developer becomes a tech lead, maybe he gets mm. an entirely different group of people to work with, but perhaps he or she will be leading former teammates. What are some of the challenges and some of the solutions for this um, perhaps uncomfortable situation? That can be a little uncomfortable for some people, but I would say it also starts before you even get the title. It starts while you are a teammate. You have to be a trusted teammate before you're a trusted leader in that situation, right? So as a teammate, you need to make sure that you're a team player where people can tell 
that you care about the group rather than just your own success. And if this is true, this is going to help carry over to your new leadership position. So while you're no longer peers, you need to take a different approach to taking care of the team and how you're going to help the team achieve success. But there are a number of challenges that could come along. Perhaps some of the team members thought that they would get the promotion that you got. That could be a challenge if some of those people are kind of resentful that, mm -hmm. that you got the job. And so I would say that avoiding these tough conversations and addressing these issues is, is never a good idea. But also charging in like a bull and accusing them of things or, or being hurtful to the team isn't helpful either. So taking the approach of talking with them directly where you're truly curious about what they care about and how you can help them grow their career. When it shows that you care, then they're going to come down a little bit and really seek to find ways to help. Because if this wasn't the right time or position for them right now, then perhaps you can show them that you still want them to be successful and find a way to help them grow their career or find another promotion opportunity. And they're going to instead turn a challenge or resentment into really loving you because you're still seeking to help and grow them instead of feeling like you took things away from them. So they're going to, they're not going to see you as the enemy anymore. A lot of the things we talked about before are helpful, but one quote I really like that can help here is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so it's really just about showing each individual team member that you care, not that you're going to be the new micromanaging boss and being transparent about what you do, what you do and don't know, and asking them for help and insights along the way, extending trust as we've talked about before, and then, then you'll get it back. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. It sounds like a lot about this concept of being a, a good leader who just have gotten a promotion is up to the work that they have done beforehand. But what are some of the things that a new leader should do specifically to be accepted as a new leader? We have touched upon this a little bit before, but I'm just curious as to what are some of the really hard steps that one can take if they don't feel yet comfortable in their new position. Yeah, so some of the things we talked about before when we were talking about the 90-day plan is spending time working on your skills and developing those skills from the very beginning, setting aside a time to do that. So a leader may want to take stock of saying, hey, these are the things that I feel like I'm, I'm good at right now and realizing what things they aren't and finding specific ways that they can grow those skills and taking time to do that. And that's going to build a lot of confidence as they grow those skills and and also give them ways to practice that. The other thing that I think is really important is they step in and with these team members that now you're leading, maybe you used to be a part of the team, is making sure that you give ample time to each person, especially early on through establishing regular one-on-one -on -one meetings. Mm -hmm. they, they don't have to be long, but making sure to have them so you're giving some personal time to each person, especially early on. The, the goal here is to make sure to get to know them beyond just what their role is, but seeking to learn what they really care about, what motivates them and what their tendency, skills and strengths are, and where do they want to take their career? 
And so this is really early on just about asking a lot of questions, making sure to listen and take notes, and then finding ways to take this information that they give you, the feedback and, and the insights that you get from your team members, and finding ways to put that to good use for that person and making adjustments in their role and, and how you can best utilize them and how you can grow them and finding ways to make the team more effective because of what you learn about them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Th- thank you. It sounds like I want to work with this imaginary leader. Um, <laughs> of course, we have talked about leadership and becoming a leader and what those steps might entail. But overall, the point of the team is to achieve something to deliver. What are some of the first steps a leader can make to turn his or her team into a successful high performing team? I think we've talked about a number of these things that's a lot about making sure we put people in the right positions to succeed and establishing the correct metrics so that you know what success even looks like. So sometimes we just flounder, we we get into the weeds, we get into fighting the fires that come along and it's really easy for a new leader to get caught up in all of that rather than looking at a longer term, what's the bigger picture, what do we really need to accomplish? And so that's why I'm a big advocate of protecting your time and working on those high level important things that maybe aren't quite as urgent, the fires that we have to put out all the time and getting clear on, on the metrics, the things that we need to measure. And then making sure, as we talked about, putting people in the right positions where they can be most effective. So I think we've covered a lot of, a lot of those concepts and ideas and uh, not sure what else I'd, I'd have to say there. All right. Um, so if we just follow what we have discussed, our team should be a high-performing team. What advice would you give to aspiring developers who want to become team leaders? Yeah, so I think one of the most important things is finding a mentor who's been there before, someone who can help guide you through the process. This should ideally be someone other than your boss. Mm-hmm. And ideally, you'll also have mentors that are inside and outside of the organization that you work with. And this is important because inside your organization, they can give you insight into how things work and the bigger picture of the company, and that's really helpful. But perhaps the way things work in your company isn't always the best way, or or you just need other perspectives. So outside mentors can actually give you completely unbiased perspectives about you and your whole career as well as ideas and connections that are completely different than what your company does right now. Mm -hmm. And so this can widen your perspective, which is a great thing. And so there are a lot of ways to to find mentors. And then I would say, just make sure to seek to grow your leadership skills now, even if you're not a leader yet, just be the best team member that you can be right now and focusing on helping others in your team rather than just growing yourself is really what leadership is all about. So if you can be that kind of team member that people love and respect right now, then that's going to translate into being the the helpful leader that that you can be in the future. Mm -hmm. That sounds cliche, but it sounds like you can be a leader without having the actual title of the the leader. Um, Absolutely. Thanks for this very insightful couple of minutes. Is there anything else that you would like to add about leadership and developers becoming leaders and really just like well-performing teams? Yeah, so we've talked about a lot of different stuff so far. 
But I don't think we've actually talked anything about listening skills yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about asking questions, but but listening is so critical for leaders. And this is something that I struggle a lot with because I'm quite a talker for the most part. But it can be pretty amazing what you can learn when you ask a question and then truly listen to the other person and what they have to say without interrupting or letting your mind wander to cover other subjects. So as you probably recognize, I'm big on quotes. And so here's another one. This is from Stephen R. Covey, who wrote a lot of leadership books. He said, seek first to understand and then be understood. So we can really understand more when we start by listening more than we talk. So to help with this, I love the activity. And this is something a team can do together which is where you pair up and and ask some really open-ended questions like, what did you do this weekend? Or maybe getting into more work-related stuff. Tell me why you chose this profession. And then you set a timer and just listen to that person for, say, three straight minutes Mm -hmm. without interrupting them. Mm -hmm. Then when the timer goes off, you spend a couple of minutes relating back to them what you learned and heard. Then you swap roles and repeat. There can often be really a great connection between people that can happen in just a matter of a few minutes. And it's just because they actually sincerely listen to each other in an activity like that. That sounds like great advice. Thank you very much. If some of our listeners would like to follow your work, how could they find you? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so I can be found there. And I'm always happy to connect and have conversations with people there. My website is morethan-engineering.com. I also just recently recorded a free webinar training. There are links there that talk about five steps to becoming trusted technical leaders, so they can check that out. And as I mentioned earlier, I have a free 90-day guide for new technical leaders, and this can be found at morethanengineering.com slash 90 days. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the ways that uh, people can connect and reach out with some of the things I do. Thank you, Jeff, for joining us today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for letting me talk with you. Today, our guest was Jeff Barry, founder of More Than Engineering. And we have gotten some great links and resources from him. So thank you for that. I am Carolina Toth, and this was Level Up Engineering. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time. See you next time.